what's going on everybody welcome to the big dudes in the trenches podcast for another great and exciting week of football action we are in the regular season of both the nfl and college now everything's official not only that but the queen of england just died so it is a great day for america I haven't cared about the queen, king or queen of England since, I don't know, 1776. Yeah, is that because of George III? No, it's because yeah. of George Washington. Damn right. <laughs> the only George that really matters. There are no other Georges. If your name's George, you don't actually exist. I don't know, the Bushes were a thing for a minute, but, you know, they, I don't know. No, that's, that's W and HW. What were we talking about? George. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Bills Rams is happening right now. I'm watching it on my other monitor. I don't know if you guys are. I hope that you are. We're getting it pulled up right now. We, uh, good. As, as you good. can tell, me and Tug are actually cohabiting the same space, and he got here extremely late. Sorry. Like 30 uh, minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We live. So, yeah, exciting yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not with you guys, so we're still doing this. Not yet, but we'll see you, we'll, we'll see you this weekend. Yes, sir, we'll see weekend. me tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, anyway. Or yesterday. Oh. Also Ooh. today. It depends if you're just an audio listener. Right? And if you're, an if you're listening listener, to us you that much later, maybe I've already seen the guys and I'm already back home. That would be terrible, and that probably means you're listening to our episodes really late. And you're missing out all, all the great stuff we're going to be talking about, including the games to be watching out for this weekend, the players to be watching out for this weekend. We have a couple of different ways we wanted to do that this year. So some interesting stuff, some great things. Um, yeah, stay tuned. I guess we should get started with the NFL news. So like I said, Bill's Rams is happening. We're going to be interjecting this whole thing with things that are happening in the game because that's how we do these episodes, if there's something exciting, we're going to have to yell about it. But other than that, Tug, you want to go ahead and take away? It's not exciting, though. <laughs> right. And all the opportunity to be in, they just missed. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, Tug, you want to go ahead and take away some NFL news? Yeah. Like you said, the Bills and Rams are happening right now. Um, but with the Rams, Sean McVay is, uh, his seat is ice cold, we'll say. Uh, he and uh, Les Snead have just been extended uh, through the 2026 season. That's going to be fantastic to keep that continuity there for him. I thought it was going to be a missed field goal. Sneaks in the uprights. Ooh, 10 nothing Buffalo. Hair ahead of us. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> I've never been a hair ahead of you guys. All right, <laughs> keep going. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but... McVeigh and, and Les Snead are not the only two people to have been extended. Uh, the Bills have come in on the eve of the NFL season and gave an extension out themselves to tight end Dawson Knox. Uh, Dawson Knox signed a four-year, $53.6 million extension. Guys, are they overpaying for him? I mean, Please. maybe, but they also just cut O.J. Howard to do this. So I think they very much believe in Dawson Knox. He's definitely got the potential to kind of get into that. I don't know if he'll ever be in that first tier of NFL tight ends, but he definitely has the potential to get into that or secure his spot in that second tier of NFL tight ends. 
And who knows, he might start having, you know, being a breakout player on that team. Uh, I, I don't know. Josh Allen definitely has the ability to spread the ball around, and Dawson Knox now has 53.6 million reasons to make sure he's a viable target for him. I don't know, man. Darren Waller and Mark Andrews seem to break out a little bit later in their careers. It wouldn't be too weird for Dawson Knox to come on really strong starting this season. Guess we'll have to watch. And I think that's one of the things, too. These bigger body guys, if you get steady production from them early on in their career and you start to, and you see flashes, it's better to pay them uh, because right. you, I think it's reasonable to expect that they'll break out. Whereas they have a breakout year and then you pay them, you're probably already too late. Well, like what the Browns tried to do with David Njoku, right? They went ahead and tried to pay him. There were issues there, but I think everything got worked out. He's in Cleveland for a long time now, so. Yeah, good to see young tight ends getting money. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, tight ends aren't the only ones to expect bags. In fact, young the, tight ends? The biggest bags uh, typically go to quarterbacks. And Lamar Jackson has now come out and said that if he and the Ravens cannot reach an agreement by Friday, uh, he will not be negotiating during the season. Personally, for me, I actually respect that because it gives the illusion that he's focusing on the season. We all know that the contract talks really don't stop. It's just his lawyer or his agent filters more of them. Um, but no, this is huge. Get, get your season. Uh, and frankly, I think Lamar's in for a big year with this being his contract year. That's why I picked him to win the MVP this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a valid pick. And for reference, this is Friday, the day after the Rams-Bills game. So there's no confusion here. Um yeah, let's let's see what happens. If I'm the Ravens, I'm going to do everything I can to meet this deadline, keep my my star quarterback happy. Um, but we'll we'll see. And Jake Botel, we got a comment from you on Facebook, buddy. We will get to you when we get to college. Since this is a college related question here. Um, but why don't we keep talking quarterback, shall we? Yeah, no, jumping right into it. Um... The Jets have received some bad news this week. I think it's kind of what we all expected. Uh, they are now expecting Zach Wilson to be out at least through the first month of the season. Uh, they're hoping he's back. That's when they're expecting he'll be back in about week five. Uh, but until then, Mr. Elite himself, Joe Flacco, is coming back as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Guys, does this help or hurt the Jets? Um, or does this hurt or help their young wide receivers? Neither. Is that possible? Uh, Zach Wilson hasn't lived up to his potential yet. So if he were going to start doing that, then sure, maybe it does hurt the Jets. But honestly, they were going to be a run-focused team. They have two great running backs, Michael Carter and Brees Hall. And their receiving core is still, it doesn't feel like a core yet. It feels like a couple of pieces that are interesting to work with. So we'll see what happens. And it's only going to be a couple of weeks here. Zach Wilson will be back. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Zach Wilson would do too terribly much better than uh, what Joe Flacco's potentially going to be doing here. Take a look at their schedule real quick and see what te- who Zach Wilson's going to be coming back against in week four and who Joe Flacco's going to have to play. Starting with the Ravens. The revenge game. And then playing the Browns in Cleveland. Bengals at home, Steelers on the road, and then, what do you know, against the Dolphins will be 
Zach Wilson's first what, game back. What is the NFL scheduling committee doing? How are they playing all four AFC North teams in the first four weeks of the season? I have I mean, never seen that. I think deep down they knew that Zach Wilson was going to be out for four weeks, and therefore Joe Flacco needed to come in. Oh, we're we're, we're back on the uh, Deshaun Watson revenge game train. Everything is rigged. Nothing else. Nothing is real. Everything. Everything is fake and nothing really matters. (laughs) Well, let's get to what is real. Ryan Kerrigan, a legend for the Washington Commanders back in the day, now has a real NFL um, coaching job. He is the D-line. I believe he's an assistant D-line coach uh, down at at Washington. This is an absolutely fantastic hire. He means a lot to that that franchise. And honestly, with the way that I think their fans have been struggling to to support them recently – uh, the team has made it hard to get support from the fans. This is a huge play, and, and I absolutely – I love this hire. Yeah, he was a monster at Purdue. I loved him coming out and just a beast for the unnameable franchise. Uh, hopefully, ownership doesn't stick around, but hopefully Ryan Kerrigan does. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, Washington's got a pretty shitty stadium out there, quite literally. People have had shit fall on them. It's kind literal, of shit. Yeah. literal shit fall on them. Um, and another stadium that's kind of lacking is Soldier Field. And the Bears are pretty much putting this all in the city of Chicago's court uh, because they released a public letter on their purchasing uh, deal agreement with the Arlington Heights property, uh, former home of the Arlington Heights horse track. And uh, they say a lot without really saying anything. Uh, One thing that is for certain that they said, they will not explore a new stadium or even updating Soldier Field while under contract with the seller. So absolutely nothing on the Bears end as far as as, as the stadium, at any stadium goes, will be discussed until they are completely out of buying this property or they have closed on this property. Now, what do I mean by they said a lot without saying anything? There's a lot of ifs here. So where, how they put this in the city of Chicago's court, the ball in their court, so to speak, they're saying, if we go and build this property, we can build a community out there. We can build houses. We can build a subdivision. We can build markets. We can build casinos. We can build hotels. We can make this a destination that will not only boost the economy of Illinois, but will also... What is that smile for? That sounds a lot like what I put in my master's thesis when I researched this. Like, it's not just about the stadium. It's about everything you can build around it. So I got real excited that somebody of some importance is actually using the same (laughs) argument I used. Yeah, Yeah, Ben. Exactly. Well, it's Chicago Bears. (laughs) But basically, they're saying, we can do all of this if we go and build this property. What can the city of Chicago do for us to keep us at Soldier Field? And what are they going to do for the state of Illinois if they're able to keep us there? The only other thing that is for certain is that the Bears will stay at Soldier through the end of their lease, which I believe runs out in 2035. So even if they do close on this property and build everything they want to build and everything they've talked about building, it's going to be a minute before it happens. Uh, but right now, man, it's, it's going to be tough for the city of Chicago to sit here and say, well, we can match that 
We can totally do all that. Oh, what a hit. He still got the first down, but that almost stepped him back about two, three yards. And then he got hit from the other side. Yep. Talking about Cooper Cup here. T- talking about a Madden play right there. Should have been MVP last year, Cooper Cup. Anyway, that's all I got on Soldier Field. I there's been there's been mock-ups and some of them look kind of ridiculous. Um, some of them look pretty cool. I'm excited to see what actually happens here. With that though, we have a new. Yeah, we're gonna keep rolling with this new format of the show, I guess. So obviously, we've typically always done it. We go through NFL news, college news, and then any spring league, non-NFL pro news type stuff. And that just doesn't make sense because if you're a fan of the NFL, you probably just want to listen to the NFL stuff. If you're a fan of college, you probably just want to listen to the college stuff, and it's too broken up. So we're going to step straight into our NFL games of the week and our picks here as well. Of course, just like we did last week with uh, ranked versus ranked matchups in college, and we will do that again later when we get there. Don't worry. Uh, For the NFL, though, we kind of thought that's kind of tough to do. Uh, So we're just going to go primetime games. It's kind of the easiest ones that are already set up and set out. Now, we did – this slideshow was built uh, before the start of tonight's Bills-Rams game. Um, So by the time you hear this, if you're an audio listener, you'll know if we got our picks right. So let's run through them. Real quick, we're going to run through each – each person is going to pick make their picks well, for each game. We and, didn't pick uh, Bills-Rams because it's happening live right now. So, we've already been a quarter of the way through it. feels disingenuous. You know? That's fair. Maybe, maybe we'll keep doing that next next few weeks. But uh, we didn't pick Bills-Rams this week because we're oh, watching we it right now. We did. You did, but we didn't. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so Bills-Rams, of course, going on right now. The Bills have a 10-0 lead. And uh, we'll give you another update on the score as we get near the end of the show. Our second primetime game on Sunday night, Buccaneers-Cowboys. Now, I remember this game pretty well uh, because we actually watched it from the hospital as my wife was going into labor. So that was uh, pretty awesome last year. And all I remember thinking was that the Cowboys looked way too good to end up losing that game and that something was off with the Buccaneers, much like something seemed off their first game of 2021 or 2020. Um, Pretty much since Tom Brady's been there, they've always gotten off to a slow start. And then you throw into the mix this year that he missed a lot of the preseason. And here we are. I've got the Cowboys winning this one because they could have won it last year. They were in it all game. I don't know. I just I, I've got faith in them. To, if they're going to beat the Buccaneers, it will be Week One. Just like I don't think they could have beat the Buccaneers at the end of the year last year. I don't think. Uh, I think if this game was played Week Five, if it was played at Week Five, I would pick the Buccaneers. But Week One, I'm picking the Cowboys. Second game is the Russell Wilson revenge game. And, uh, yeah, this one is pretty obvious here. I'm going to go with the Broncos. I don't know how high I would have to get to think that the Seahawks had a chance in this one. Um, But, hey, wouldn't it be pretty funny if I was wrong? It would be hilarious uh, because that's definitely not going to happen. I'm also (laughs) saying that the Cowboys winning is not going to happen. I'm taking taking the Bucs for sure in this one. It's just a talent mismatch. And with the issues on the offensive line right now, too, 
Like, I know there are question marks around both teams at the moment with Tom Brady acting weird all offseason and, I don't know, all sorts of rumors swirling around his personal life. But also, like, Mike McCarthy still coaches the Cowboys, dude. Why is anybody picking them for anything? So I'm taking the Bucks. I'm Mike also McCarthy's taking a regular season legend, man. What are you talking about? Just ask any Packers fan. I mean, true, but isn't Matt LaFleur doing the same exact thing? So maybe that's just Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> I will also accept that. <laughs> I know you will. That's why I said it. I'm also taking the Broncos. Uh, I would laugh my ass off if the Seahawks win this game, but it, I don't think it will happen. So I'm looking at this, and, and Doug, I, I agree with you, man. I'm going with the Bucks on this. Uh, what I had heard uh, today as I was driving down here, actually, is a very interesting stat. Um, Cooper Cup's first receiving touchdown of the season. That wasn't the interesting stat, though. Another um, 218 to go this year. Hopefully you all drafted Cooper Cup on your fantasy team. <laughs> I didn't. I got Matt Stafford instead. Cooper Cup. Hey, that, that'll work. <laughs> so the stat I heard is the Cowboys with – Tyron uh, Smith on a, on a yard per carry basis when he's in the game, they're ranked number one or number two offensive line wise uh, on rushing offense. If he's out of the game, they're averaging which he will be thirty first. Yeah. Uh, move on from that passing efficiency. Same old same offensive line stat with Tyron Smith in the game. They're ninth with him. Out of the game, they're like 30th, like 29th or 30th. Tyron Smith just had a season-ending injury. He's not going to be there all season. I, I, you're right, Doug. Bucks have some some offensive line issues. They have injuries to deal with of their own. Ben, you're right. Something's missing from them this year. I agree. I just think it's going to more negatively affect the Cowboys in this game, and it's week one. I'm not betting against Tom Brady week one. I mean, the so points you're bringing up are going to lie. Brady, though. That's the thing. I will not bet against him week one of the playoffs. Week one of the regular season? Yeah, I'll bet against him. You kidding me? No, he hasn't gotten into that LeBron James mindset where he can just lose the entire regular season and make the uh, playoffs. Get traded. Get traded to a playoff team. No, no. He just just finds a way to get into the playoffs, does just enough to get into the playoffs, except last year, and then goes off. Uh, But in the third game, you guys have already said it all. I think it's going to be a blowout. I've actually, uh, in my pick and league, I have the Broncos winning by three scores. Ooh. Yeah, I honestly don't know why this one's a primetime game except for the storyline. It, and it's, it's all storyline. Really, I don't I don't know. Let's move into our, our games of the week here. All right. First off, look, week one, NFL week one is taking place on 9-11. And uh I don't expect this to be a fantastic game. But how do you not how do we not talk about the game taking place in, you know, New York? I know it's in New Jersey, uh, but it's you, <laughs> East Rutherford is basically another another borough at this point. (laughs) You're right. And uh, New York's right there in the background. Honestly, there's probably going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance around that. Uh, And it's just something I think needs attention drawn to it. So Ravens at Jets, like we talked about a little bit earlier, it's going to be opener. Joe Flacco's going to be playing. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be an ugly game. But I don't think we could – I wouldn't feel right about doing this show without at least talking about it. I don't know if Flacco versus the Ravens can be pretty interesting. I'm taking uh, Packers, Vikings. Like I had said last week, this very well potentially could be two playoff teams here, and we're seeing them in week one. 
this really could set the tone for the division, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, it's an 18-week season. At the same time, every game matters when you're talking about two potential playoff teams and two teams that are trying to push for uh, a division win. So this could be very important. It'll be really interesting to see what uh, Aaron Rodgers can do without his top receiving threat of the past couple of seasons. Might be a very different looking Packers team. Also, the Vikings have been stacking talent at a bunch of different positions for a little while here. We'll see if this is finally the season they break through and overtake the Packers. I don't know who's going to win one quite yet. I think it's going to be fascinating to see this one. And then hopefully we get to see them like much later in the season. And it's probably going to be a very different game. Still, week one, this should be interesting. Ben, the one thing I'm disappointed that you didn't bring up when you were highlighting your Ravens-Jets game is the uh, Joe Flacco revenge tour starting uh, against Baltimore. Uh, so I am he's going not, with, He's not going to get it. I, I know, I know. <laughs> but I am going with a revenge storyline here. Uh, I'm taking Baker Mayfield uh, post it. No, he's traveling to uh, Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. That game's at no. First Energy. No, it's, no. it's at Carolina. Yeah, we have it right on the slide. Okay. Um, either way. Cleveland's coming to town. Baker's going to go off. Um, honestly, I'm not expecting good football. You might see okay defenses on both sides. Uh, the offensive football will be questionable at best. Um, well, it's funny to me is Christian McCaffrey is already on the injury report. <laughs> hey, as long as he's uh, uh, in, you're good. As long as he's playing, yeah. you're good. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I really do like what Baker brings to the table. I know he's a, a – very low floor, high ceiling type of player. Um, but I'm going to take the ceiling on this. There's way too much emotion in it for him. Uh, and frankly, I don't trust Jacoby Brissett in, in that Cleveland offense right now. Uh, if Baker can sweep one or two scores out of that, around that defense, and, you know, maybe Carolinas picks up one, this is Carolinas game. But Baker is not going to, quote, fuck him up. That was a misquote. We talked about that already. But it's still worth bringing up. I wish he had said that so fucking bad. What he did say is that he, what he really wants out of this game is for Nick Chubb to give him a hug, and he's looking to get at least a couple of words out of him because he thinks that'll be really hard to do. This is an actual quote. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. We'll see how that works out for you, Baker. Right, right. Uh, let's move into our picks here. Yeah, I already alluded to it. It's going to be the Ravens winning this one in uh, New Jersey here. The New York football Jets, man, the goddamn Jets, they, they can't catch a break. They're not going to start catching a break this week. This is a rough draw out the gate. Um, J-E-T-S, suck, suck, suck. Yeah, it's not going to be. It's not going to be pretty. J-E-T-S, suck my dick. Is there any surprise in this Packers-Vikings game how I'm going? No. Yeah, I'm absolutely not picking Green Bay. I, I knew that. I just It's still going to be a good game, no matter what it you is pick going to be. It is going to be a good game. Guaranteed. And uh, I need to go back and look at what time the games are going on. Maybe I'll consider keeping track of it. Ooh. That's a big Last but not least. (laughs) Last but not least. We've already talked about it. This one is the Panthers game to lose, in my opinion. Uh, Tug, you said, you know, defenses are going to be kind of questionable. I think the Browns could potentially have a pretty good defense. The the defenses are going to be solid. If I had said that, that was a mistake. I Baker needs to squeak a touchdown or two. Yeah, I think 
I think you said the opposite. The offenses are both going to be pretty questionable. But yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's going to be the real test here. Um, man, Panthers fans have been waiting for DJ Moore to to be what they want him to be, and this would it would be great if he came out and did that because I think a lot of what's been holding him back is who's he had at quarterback? Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, old Cam Newton, Kyle Allen. Yeah, I mean it's just been. At some point, you got to start looking at the quarterback that's throwing him the ball. I think Baker will help elevate him, and uh, the, we'll see. We'll see if that's going to be enough. Who's the other quarterback he had for a little bit there? With PJ Walker, PJ Walker. Yep. Yeah, I mean, as fun as storylines that is, good luck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so one running backs always hurt. So I think that. The theme song for the Jets this week ought to be uh, that really old. Um, who was it? Bob and Haley Williams. Uh, can we pretend that airplanes in the night Jesus. sky are like shooting stars? Because they are the airplanes, and they really need a wish right now because they're going to lose. This. That was a terrible way to say that. I, but I, I thought it was hilarious in the moment. I was disappointed in myself yeah. for knowing where you were going with that. That was low key beautiful. Uh, I'm also going to take the Packers, uh, which is a little bit weird, I would say. I think the traditional thinking around this would be to take the home team week one. Kind of don't know what you're getting out of either of them. But, I I mean, also, you have to consider last year the Packers came out so cold that people thought Aaron Rodgers might legitimately be throwing games to get out of his situation in Green Bay. (laughs) I don't expect that to happen again. And I'm taking Green Bay here. I still do expect them to win this division. And then I'm actually going to take the Browns at the Panthers. He's a Browns fan again. Oh, no. I can't talk about Cleveland Browns ever in my life. I'm sorry for mentioning them. Tug, you're a terrible person for putting me in this situation. (laughs) <laughs> I will not give an explanation for this because of you guys. No, I will. That's um, fine. I think it's a crazy pick. No, so here's here's my thinking. Um, I don't care who the quarterback is for the Browns. We knew what the game plan was going to be week one with a new quarterback in the room or even with Baker Mayfield. The game plan is going to be run the ball. The defensive line for Carolina has not been consistent, as talented as they are in certain spots. So Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I know Kareem Hunt wants out, but Kareem Hunt's still on the roster, and so is Darnus Johnson. They have three different running backs that can really run the ball very well. They have an offensive line that is consistently, for the last few years, one of the best in the league. I'm going to say the run game for Cleveland is going to be better than the run game for Carolina. Now, the X factor, of course, is Christian McCaffrey. But Miles Garrett looks at him the wrong way. He goes down with three ACL tears somehow, magically, in one play. He's going to break different his third ACL too. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think Brown's defense is a little bit better. So, yes, there are pieces of the Panthers team that I like more. Overall, as a unit, I will take the Browns' defense. And overall, as a unit, I will take the Browns' running game. And 
first-year quarterbacks for both places now at this point. I don't know if I trust either of them, whether or not you know, Baker Mayfield is that much more talented than Brissett or not. It's game one in a new playbook, in a new situation. So I'm going to take the better defense. Going, going with Browns. I can accept that. And uh, before we get to Tug's picks, worth pointing out that uh, Josh Allen threw a, the first pick of the season here. It didn't look pretty either. And yeah. Matt Stafford just tried real hard to do the same on a shovel pass. Right. Well, Don Miller was coming at you, coming at him, so I don't really blame I, him that much. I would do the same. <laughs> exactly. Von Miller, yeah. Gosh, I would, I would hand him the football. Just be like, you can take it if you want it, dude. Was there an eligible receiver in the area? Yeah. Okay. All right, going into my picks, you guys have it right. I'm, go- I'm going Baltimore. I don't need to beat a dead horse, um, or in this case, a dead jet. Um, hey. Doug, I do disagree with you on the Green Bay and the Vikings, though. Um, I'm going I with mean, Vikings. Most people will. The, the, the reason <laughs> I'm going with the Vikings, it's not even about the home matchup. It is about one thing that you brought up. Aaron Rodgers did have an outstandingly cold start last season. Um, however... That wasn't an outlier. Now, it's normally not that bad uh, as his first game was last season, but he always comes out cold because he refuses to play in the preseason. I'm expecting a cold start. Again, he's not going to look like typical Aaron Rodgers in the first half, maybe not even the second half. I think the Vikings should be able to build a solid lead coming forward with it. I think one thing you're not thinking of, though, this offseason, Aaron Rodgers has been chiefing at Ayahuasca. He's going to come out hotter than ever. And uh, my dad's in here saying, you know, the Rams are looking good in the second quarter, and they uh, they have looked like absolute dog water to start this uh, uh, this drive here. That was definitely That's defensive holding. Defensive holding so all day. Yeah. I'll give I'll give uh, Stafford a pass on that throw. <laughs> all right, and then for the final pick, Doug, and I agree with everything you said. I would just add in one more X factor, and it's the boomer bust capability of Baker Mayfield. Um, True. So my pick here is I'm betting on him booming this week. Um, he's just – he's so hit or miss, man. It's not even funny. Um, which is honestly – that's kind of fair because he's so emotional as yeah. quarterback, which is part yeah. of what makes him awesome. But at the same time, it's like you can't count on it every week. He's going to play emotional every week, it, though. A hundred percent, and I think that emotion is going to carry him this week because let's all be honest – Cleveland did him dirty, right? and he feels spurned by it. And 100%, maybe this is a, hey, I just want him to win this game, to stick it to Cleveland. That's definitely a factor. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Carolina in this one. Fair enough. So that's our picks for the week, uh, for the NFL at least. And, uh, you know, th- those are our game picks. And we've always done player picks, but we were talking about it, and, man, it's just – it makes more sense to make a change here. And as I've mentioned a couple times on the show, I think I mentioned it earlier this week, uh, Tug and I have always wanted to do a fantasy show. We just frankly don't have the time to devote to a full hour, half hour fantasy football show every week. So we figure, why not change our players to watch segment to match that a little bit? We're going to do sit and start. Uh, we're going to do one wide receiver and one tight end, of, or one Running back a piece, sorry, not tight end. <laughs> um, and we'll start with the wide receivers. I went with a wide receiver that I think y'all should sit this week. Robert Woods, Bobby Trees himself, he might be the new number one wide receiver in Tennessee. 
but he's never held that role. Well, and, and two, you have to consider that's the only picture I could find of him in a Titans uniform, which is wild. Exactly. Uh, you had to, that's going to be a rainy day. Derrick Henry was already the focus of this offense. That's just going to put more of the focus on Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's not going to be wanting to sling the ball around in the cold, wet rain. As much as the matchup against the Giants is appealing, nothing else about this game on Sunday makes me want to play Robert Woods this week. He's a sit for me. I, I can even add to that, too. And when you break it down, reports are coming out of Tennessee this week saying that Traylon, they have a, a big plan to utilize Traylon Burks. Yeah a ton in their offense. Uh, and then you break that down and see what they spent to get him, uh, i.e. A.J. Brown to trade up in the draft. Uh, basically, it's a one-for-one -one swap. Uh, yeah, I'd avoid Robert Woods because I don't even know if he's going to be the number one. Even if he is their number one on the depth chart, I don't know if he's going to be the number one target. Question. What's Did up? that play count as like one-third of a sack for each of those guys? Because there were no, three guys sack. in on that there sack. Technically, one and a half sack on that play. <laughs> That, that is incredible. Painful. Uh, that, that might count as three sacks. Just give it to him. <laughs> One play. Might as well. <laughs> All right. I took the I took the wide receiver uh, that I would start this week. Doug, you'll appreciate this. I'm looking at Scary Terry here. Um, look, guys, Carson Wentz might not be the best quarterback in the world. But he's solid when he's healthy, and guess what? It's week one, and he's at least healthy going into the game. We got a chance, boys. Um, honestly, Scary Terry is a a true wide receiver one. Jacksonville does have a questionable secondary, so don't overthink this. Scary Terry's floor is going to be average, uh, so you're looking at average points across the board. Um, but his boom capability, the ability he has to get that high ceiling, is also off the charts this week. I'm starting him. I'm taking the flyer. Absolutely. And that'll move us into our running backs. And I'll go. I'll go with who we should start first. Look, we talked about questionable run defenses. Uh, the Eagles have a very favorable matchup in the run game. Not to mention the fact that Kenny Gainwell is gonna has that ability to get out of the backfield and receive passes. So I'm looking at the Eagles playing uh playing against the Lions this week. Man, this one this is a no brainer to me. Start Kenny Gainwell. I'm looking Just at the other way the other way away from Aiden Hutchinson and you'll get like yards. Yeah. <laughs> or just train to his side when he comes busting through. True. All right. True. I I always go into the season with one plan uh, for the draft, and that's one, never draft a New England running back because you never know who's actually going to touch the ball that week. Uh, but this is even worse than that. While Damian Harris is a solid running back um, all the way through, this is not for lack of talent. Uh, the issue is now reports are coming out of New England that Ramondre Stevenson might be getting – First carries, like he might be the number one back going into the season. Uh, the running game looked terrible across the board for all of them throughout the preseason. So you don't know who's actually going to get the touches in New England. He doesn't look good, and Ramondre Stevenson might be the number one. Mm, stay away. That's If you drafted him, I'm sorry. Hope he pans out later in the year, but week one, you sit him. 
Alan. <laughs> oh, I got Alan. Let's say. <laughs> well, I you, want you guys are fancy guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you've kind of given up on it, but you know that doesn't mean you can't can't add anything. I don't want to add anything. I guess that's the point. Uh. See, now, now when we do our, if, if we expand on this and we do a dynasty draft, rookie draft, then you'll have things to add. Uh, I'd rather just talk about the real draft at that point. So that's what we're this going to do for college players to watch, which will be at the end of our college football segment here, which we're going to start off with some news. Uh, actually, before we do that, we ought to jump back to Jake Botel's comment. Because he was talking about how he went 70 and 13 last week in his picks, college football. First of all, I love that you picked 83 games. That is incredible. I love you. Also, yeah, but your correct percentage is higher. Um, yeah, I went 6 0. So take that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I always tend to think of uh, Pickham's. You got to think of them like kind of like shooting percentage in the NBA and not as a center either as like a some forward. You're getting a lot of mid mid range jumpers. 60 some percent is golden. You're a surefire starter. Anything more than that, you're getting an all star selection territory, right? That's where you want to be with the pickums. You're hitting 84 percent. That is over the top. Amazing. That will never happen again. Cherish it while it lasts. And uh, don't go overboard betting this week because you will come back down to earth. <laughs> this is like getting every game right on day one of the NCAA tournament. It's awesome. And, Jake, that is absolutely an awesome record you got right. going right there. But know, yeah, know what's coming. <laughs> so, so, Doug, you say you see it much like shooting percentages in the NBA for pickums. I like to treat them like batting averages. Anything over 250 and you're solid. Wow, that Anything is awful. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. That's... So so Ben and I sitting here at 500 in the college pickums. We're right there with you, bud. Yeah, you're at the Mendoza <laughs> line right now. Let's be real. 500 no, pickums? That's, we're good. That's the, that's the pickum Mendoza line. Uh, so let's get into some college football news here. Uh, we do have a new top 25 which we could debate for a long time here. Uh, number one is still Alabama after beating Utah State 55 to nothing. Uh, Georgia is the new number two after beating unranked Oregon now 49 to three. Uh, Ohio State falls to number three after beating Notre Dame 21 to 10. Notre Dame falls from five to nine there. Uh, the team up north is your new number four after beating Colorado State by 30-something. I didn't care to look up the actual score because at school, number five is Clemson beating Georgia Tech by way more than they should have because, um, yeah, that was a very close game for three quarters. And then out of nowhere, Clemson scored like 40-something points and kept Georgia Tech to 10, so... Still counts as a big win, I guess, technically. So, I would like to see... Like, I wish there was a list of all the AP voters so I could see exactly who all works for ESPN, who all works for the SEC, who all works for, you know, the Big Ten, Fox. Basically broken down by networks. Um, 
because the the SEC and ACC bias here. My personal opinion, Clemson needs to be maybe out of the top ten after struggling with Georgia Tech for three quarters. I know they're able to put it away. They came out with a win. That team did not look good. Um, and then, while yes, Georgia should be ahead of Ohio State, I almost would have dropped Bama to three, um, just because Ohio State had a top five or a top eight win, depending on when you look at it. Uh, so it's whatever's more favorable for the SEC. So a top eight win. Um, <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from, from Alabama. It's clear that these are the top three teams in the nation. Frankly, as long as they're in any semblance of this order, it's probably okay. Um, I just would prefer they get it right and have these teams actually reflected where they are. Alabama showed me nothing against Utah State. They did exactly what I expected them to do. Yeah, I did some math yesterday, and, uh, if you if you look at the difference in ranking between Ohio State and Notre Dame and the difference in ranking between Georgia and Oregon, and then you divide points, point differentials by the placement differentials, Georgia was a quarter of a point better against Oregon than Ohio State was against Notre Dame. So if you want that to be your rationale for why Georgia jumped Ohio State, that's fine. Um, here's the problem. Utah State wasn't ranked at all. Utah State struggled with UConn the week before. Yeah. Right. And, uh, frankly, the fact that Alabama didn't score 70 or 80 is concerning. <laughs> it, Alabama – I will care about Alabama during the Iron Bowl and this week. Uh, but until then, I just – Intent. No, I, I, don't, I don't care. Yeah, I think last night we kind of came to the consensus among us that uh, number one should be Georgia right now. They were very impressive last week, and they have an extremely talented team. There's all sorts of reasons to rank Georgia number one right now. Ohio State should probably be number two and Alabama three, and that would be our top three. Outside of the top three right now, nobody else seems particularly close at the moment, at least in terms of perception. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, a lot of games to go yet. And I'm sure plenty of teams will be in that conversation for the fourth slot. And one of the top will lose at some point and knock themselves out of contention in their own right. Uh, whole season ahead of us is what I'm trying to say there. But us but, complaining about these rankings is all the more reason why when they come out in a few weeks, we need you guys to look at the trench ratings. Yes. Yes, uh, we have our countermeasure to the AP poll, which are, is our very own college ball ranking system. Uh, it's, yeah, it's developed by me. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Clemson at number five there, um, Dabo Sweeney got a new contract extension of 10 years added onto his deal, $115 million added onto his deal. That is a lot of money. Uh, it is not more than Nick Saban, though, so therefore Nick Saban will not get an, another automatic contract extension. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't Davo have a clause in there <laughs> that requires him to be like within the top X percent of coaches? So because Nick Saban got his automatic extension, it had to drive an extension for Davo. Probably. I think there is in the in a top range, but he was still in that top range because there were only a couple of guys that got these giant extensions. 
between then and now. Uh, I think the Mel Tucker deal and Kirby Smart new deals pushed him towards that more than the Nick yeah. Saban new, new contract. You know but, who doesn't have something like that in his contract is ULM head coach Terry Bowden. And uh, a recent follow of ours, a favorite of ours, the Sicko Committee, put out this tweet. Uh, this is the second such tweet that they put out regarding contract extensions. This needs to be a thing. Like it is, it is a thing for them. This is the second time I believe they've spoken specifically about Terry Bowden's contract. Uh, Dabo is now making ten point five million per year. That would be equal to twenty four point four two years of Terry Bowden as ULM's head coach, Louisiana Monroe. For those of you that don't know. Dabo's contract would increase to 29.07 TBUs by 2031. One TBU equals one year on Terry Terry's contract at ULM. Now, if that's not enough, if you're interested in dogs, if that's your thing, they went on. Now, for any of you wondering, the exchange rate to Vietnamese dogs, Dabo makes 247,469,000,000. Nice. nice. 160,000 nice. dong, Vietnamese dong per year, at the current exchange rate, and Terry Bowden makes 10,142,680,000 Vietnamese dongs per year. That's a lot of dongs that we're talking about here. Dude, I'm telling you, 24-7, 365. <laughs> dong 369, days. even better. <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred and forty-seven and a half billion dongs. I hope Dabo Sweeney can keep up with that much work. Bro, we've seen that Clemson. We know he can. So many pizza parties. <laughs> no, but uh, measuring contracts and TBUs is fantastic. I'm gonna need to say if, if you really, genuinely believe in your heart of hearts that Dabo Sweeney is worth thirty of ULM's head coach, then you might need uh, to get a psyche bell. I don't know if he's worth 30, but he's at least worth 25. Well, then they hit it right on the money. (laughs) 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 Uh, In some good news, kind of in the ACC still, Sam Hartman has been cleared to play. Uh, The prolific quarterback for Wake Forest last season had a – kind of undisclosed, kind of not really talked about that much off-field medical concern that was keeping him out of games. He did not play last week for Wake Forest. Uh, Turns out he had a really weird blood clot disease disorder, uh, Paget-Schroeder syndrome, which causes blood clots basically because of continuous strenuous activity, a.k.a. I don't know playing football so it's not strenuous at all nobody ever sweats doing that kind of rough luckily for sam hartman the ceo of wake forest baptist hospital is in this particular disorder and was able to perform the surgery herself on sam hartman uh and this is the most direct quote i've ever heard in my life i love this quote from dr freischlag the clot's gone, blood flow's good, he feels great. That is everything I needed to know. Nothing more, nothing less. That Perfect. is an experienced surgeon. <laughs> uh, but he is now cleared to play, actually. I don't know when he's going to suit up for sure. 
I'm really hoping it is this season. Uh, he has more eligibility than just beyond this year, though. And if nothing else, I would imagine a rare blood clotting disorder would be something that NCAA might consider granting a medical redshirt for. We'll yeah, see. Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll cross really the bridge when we get to it. Hey, look, all I'm saying is all the academy guys get medical red shirts every time they turn ACL. I've seen it. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, last thing like we wanted to talk about here. They go home. I mean, true. Uh, last thing we want to talk about here is the Big 12. Basically saying that they're targeting Pac-12 and Mountain West schools in their next round of expansion. Uh, new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, has basically, he, he said a lot of things alluding to stealing schools away from the Pac-12. Um, this time he said he wants to get into a fourth time zone and said he wants to go west. So <laughs> that can only really mean he wants to be in California, Oregon. Uh, Washington, somewhere in there. Uh, They are adding BYU, and they have Colorado, or they used to. So, used to. I was say they used to have four time zones, didn't they? Like, so he's like, we want to get back to where we were. Congrats, dude. Well, even four time zones. I mean, they're in Eastern and Central. They're going to try to add Mountain and Pacific. Yeah. So. Maybe the Arizonas and the California, some California teams uh, with USC and UCLA already leaving the Pac-12. There's a lot of, lot of things going on point. there. Arizona technically is its own time zone. That is awful. I mean, it's true. It's not incorrect. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see what that here. I would say if the Pac-12 really gets raided like this, it's going to cause a lot of legal issues. There's probably going to be some sort of antitrust suit against this conference that abolishes the Pac-12 for them. Uh, it's it's not going to be pretty. Uh, people aren't going to take too kindly to losing their jobs over schools just deciding to merge. Um, what if Berkeley goes to the Big 12. I mean, that, that would, would be, create a massive shit store. I mean, that would be not only the pack, not only would the pack uh, sue the Big 12 and the Big 10, I think the governor of California himself would sue the Big 12 and the Big 10. <laughs> Can't turn his computer on there and rolling blackouts right now. Yeah, make Facts. sure to charge your electric car because you can't buy a gas car anymore. <laughs> but we're, we're turning off your electricity. Yeah, you this is why. This, and this is why you should join the athletic conference with Texas. So, <laughs> who also has a shitty power grid because it's not part of the national power grid. Exactly, that's what I was getting at. It's great. Two of the worst power systems in the country to last. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some games this weekend. We have a lot of great action coming up. Uh, first, we uh, have three more ranked versus ranked games. We had three last week. We have three this week as well. Uh, Baylor at BYU, number nine at number 21 there. We have number 20, Kentucky, heading to 
number 12 Florida, who was unranked in the preseason poll, all the way up to number 12 after upsetting Utah. Number 24, Tennessee, heading to number 17, Pitt. Uh, I'm kind of impressed with this. I didn't know SEC schools ever left the South, but then we had Auburn playing at Penn State and Tennessee playing at Pitt. So kind of cool. Um, I know y'all hate the SEC and Tennessee specifically, but I kind of respect this matchup, and the, I'm glad that this kind of thing is happening. Well, let's get into our picks. Yeah, there we go. Something good. Something good out of it. Uh, but go ahead. Who do you think is going to win these these ranked matchups this week? Yeah, I mean, this one, this first one's pretty easy. Baylor. Uh Look, I think BYU's got a good program, and obviously the Big 12 does too. And Baylor's going to get to play BYU every year. Uh, they're going to give BYU a taste of what it's going to be like to have to play Baylor every year. And, uh, oh, by the way, it's going to be worse when they have to go down to Waco for that game. Next up, Florida really impressed me. Kentucky, awesome. You did not let the SEC down by losing, unlike LSU. Um, but you I would not expect that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would not expect that to continue this week. The SEC is uh, not going to continue. The SEC is going to continue losing to teams in Florida this week. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. And yeah, there's there's no question of who I'm picking here. Um, legitimately though, West Virginia and Pitt was one of the best games uh, of the start of the college football season. If Pitt had lost, I would still pick them, not just because I hate Tennessee, because both teams deserved to win that game. Both teams played an excellent game. And Tennessee, frankly, still does not deserve to be ranked 24, but they're in the SEC, so they are. And that's where we are right now. So, yeah, it's disgusting. The We, we have three SEC teams between three ranked matchups, and it's gross. There are wow. other teams in college football. Uh, well, most of the other ranked teams are playing like FCS opponents or really bad group of five opponents this week. So it is week two. Anyway, let's keep it simple. I'm also taking Baylor and I'm also taking Florida. Here's the thing. Uh, Baylor is the more talented team. I like BYU a lot for a lot of reasons. Baylor is a more talented team right now. That defense is pretty awesome. And I love what Dave Aranda has been doing. Kentucky has never been successful against Florida multiple years in a row. They finally get the monkey off, and it's going to hop right back on. That's just how this goes for Kentucky. They are a football school now, though. They are a football I school. I agree. Suck it, Calipari. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Approved. Kentucky is a football school. Now, what you're not going to like is I'm actually taking Tennessee here to beat Pitt. Here's why. I have two reasons. The first is I actually like Tennessee's offense. Uh, Tennessee's offense is pretty dang good. That quarterback they have, his last name is Hooker, which is amazing in its own right. But also, he's probably like the second or third best quarterback in the SEC right now. Obviously, you have Bryce Young. But then it's kind of up in the air. Hendon Hooker might be up there. 
and they have a lot of talent around him. I could see Tennessee doing actually pretty well this year. I'm not picking them to win the division or anything like that. Georgia's obviously going to be better than them. Uh, but, yeah, I think Tennessee's ain't good this year. And, like you were alluding to, Pitt is coming off of an extremely emotional win against West Virginia. That usually bode well for the second week. A lot gets taken out of you. And then you have to go in and play another extremely tough game. That's just hard to do, especially weeks one and week two. If you have all season to prepare for two back-to-back hard games, that's a little bit easier to handle. But right up front, this is a really tough assignment for a Pittsburgh team that is still, in a lot of ways, pretty new together. Uh, I know the defense is mostly the same, but they lost their top offensive production that's all brand new. So I think Tennessee has a really good shot here, and I'm going to take them at Pitt. All right, guys. Uh, I'm also going to keep it simple in the first game. I'm going Baylor as well for all the reasons you guys have already stated. I'm not, again, not going to be a dead cougar. Um, going on down, though, I am going to take Kentucky in this one. Oh. Yeah, it's a bold pick, especially going down to the swamp. I get it. Um, they finally, like you said, Doug, they finally got the monkey off their back. They've been finding success. More importantly, they've been building this program for a few few years now, and it's finally starting to pay off consistently. Yeah, Florida's win last week was impressive. I also think they're overranked as it stands right now. I don't think it was so impressive that they deserve to be at number 12, so I think that's skewing uh, a lot of the picks and a lot of, honestly, the, uh, the spread as well. Uh, Florida doesn't need to be a favorite in this game. I honestly would have this at about even. So I am going to go with Kentucky, partially one to be different because, hey, somebody needs to. Uh, But partially, too, is I like what Kentucky's been building. I like the momentum they've been driving. And again, Florida, they still had Utah within three at home on the goal line. Um, That that's literally a one play goes a different way. And we're talking different, different rankings here all the way through. Um, So I'm I will say, though, I think Utah is better than Kentucky if they're both headed to the swamp and Florida already beat Utah. I mean, it's it's not the same to me as what I was just talking about with Pitt yeah. because I think Kentucky it's not is a worse team. You know, and it's – I don't know. It's fair point, though. I mean, I like Kentucky's defense, and they have a veteran quarterback that's going to make things tough for Florida for sure. All right, coming on down to the last matchup. This is a gut shot pick. Um, Pitt at home at Akersher, which still feels weird to say, not Heinz Field. Just call it Heinz if you want to. <laughs> we can call um, Heinz if we want to. We can leave Akersher behind. <laughs> God damn it. No, I, I like the environment that they brought last week. I don't know if it's going to be the same this week. I can only imagine that it's – it honestly, it's probably going to be a fraction of it. Um, but that being said, Tennessee does make it a habit to let its fans and its supporters down. I'm expecting that to happen again. Like, that is just the Tennessee MO. I don't necessarily have trust in them yet. Uh, they Sure, they have a quarterback that's last name is Hooker, but they don't have General Booty to go with the Hooker. So I, I, I can't help them out there. Um, that would be an elite quarterback. I'm saying, man. Uh, <laughs> Oh, could you imagine if he was a wide receiver and all of a sudden you'd have Hooker and Booty? Ooh. All that to say, I'm going with Pitt, if anything, because it's a gut pick here. 
Well, and it makes it even better is that Tennessee is now known for McDonald's bags full of cash. So they have hooker, booty, and cash. That'd be <laughs> so beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, but next up, we do have our picks for games to watch this week. Uh, kick us off, Bug. Yeah, uh, I alluded to it already. This is the last time I will care about Alabama until the Iron Bowl. They're playing Texas, and I say the last time I'll care about them. It's the last time I'll care about them before a game, right? Texas a might beat them, but I don't care about that game. I won't care about that game in the lead-up to it. I'll care about afterwards if A&M wins. This game has multiple layers to it, though. First and foremost, there's been talk, speculation. It's been floated out there. The Alabama between Texas and Texas A&M could score over 100 points against these two big schools in Texas. And I think they're going to be well on their way to doing that this week. Spoiler. Uh, then you add to it that there has been drama with the million dollar band and Texas's placement of visiting bands inside Kevin D. Royal Stadium. Or Darren K. Roble. I don't fucking remember. It's got a giant uterus in it. Darryl you know the one I'm talking K. about. Whatever. The bottom line is this Texas is entirely too cocky going into this. And it's going to be very hilarious to watch them get put in their place. And that is why I'm picking this game. I think well, it might be possible. I'm going to come in with all of the horns down. Just to break 15. them into the SEC. Well, all right. So one point about that. Uh, there was a press conference where a reporter asked Nick Saban what he thought about that being a taunting penalty. Nick Saban said, I didn't know that was a thing. Thank you for pointing that out. So... Apparently, that reporter just saved Alabama for a bunch of 15-yard penalties. I thought that was only a Big 12-specific rule. It's at Texas. Uh, it doesn't, but the it depends where know. the refs are from. And we, Lord knows they're pulling in SEC refs. I mean, who knows at this point. Uh, also, there was a thread on Reddit that said, you know, we saw Quinn Ewer's car get towed last week because he parked in the wrong spot. I guess the best we can hope for here is that Alabama's bus parks in the wrong spot and they get towed before the players can get off. <laughs> Tiger King can't do it all by himself. He can get towed by himself. Though. He can get towed by himself. That is correct. But, yeah, this matchup would have been awesome. Nine, so it's really great we're getting in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> My game of the week is a little bit different. I'm taking UTSA at Army. Uh, this is 0-1 versus 0-1, and yet I think it's two of the best group of five type schools out there. I know Army's independent, but they kind of count the group of five as far as everybody's generally concerned. Uh, UTSA, that offense is awesome to watch. Frank Harris is a great quarterback, and not enough people talk about him. But then Army actually throws the ball sometimes. Had more passing yards than Coastal Carolina for a lot of that game last week, even though they did lose. Uh, so maybe that's not the best strategy for Army. Also, they have a linebacker who some people are talking about, if he plays up to his potential this year, could be Army's first first-round draft pick since the 1940s. Like, Andre Carter II is freaking amazing. So I want to see that matchup. It's a great strength on strength here. 
UTSA is really good. Honestly, Army is really good too. Uh, should be a pretty awesome matchup here. I'm so glad we're getting this. All right, guys, I did it. I took the low-hanging fruit. Uh, somebody had to. If you didn't, but I was going to, for the record. So. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, somebody had to. Uh, I almost took Memphis this week, too. I almost took Air Force as well. I, I was looking through all of them. Um, Memphis yeah. is playing Navy, for the record. Which Memphis will dominate that game, and also Air Force will dominate against Colorado. So there you go. Which is why I didn't take them. This game specifically, I expect to be a really, honestly, a good game. This is another strength versus strength type matchup uh, where Iowa State has an offense um, and Iowa has a defense with no O to be found, as the headlines have kindly reminded us. Um, man, it's it's going to be a tough one. I, I do have – I'll allude to my pick here. I do have a little more faith in, in Iowa State's offense um, than I do in – or Iowa State's defense than I do in Iowa's offense. Um, it's just it's a rivalry game. It's in week two. There's a lot on the line for both of these teams, and they both have something to prove. So this is all the great makings of a fantastic classic rivalry game, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I am very excited for all three of these games. So I say we just go ahead and get into the picks. Before we do that, Painted Brocco on Twitch. Biggest news in college football, Pat McAfee joining the college game day full-time this season. That is fantastic. He was on college game day so much last year, I thought he was full-time anyways, but the fact that we're in the time <laughs> week for sure now, beautiful. So, Love it. Wait, so let me get this straight. Pat McAfee has <coughs> worked as an independent, worked for Barstool, mm-hmm. went back mm-hmm. to being an independent, and is now working mm-hmm. for ESPN. He was a WWE wrestler, too. And then, yeah, 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 well, and commentator for Friday Night SmackDown, uh, which he has uh, given up in order to be on game day now, full time. What, he can't do it Friday night and Saturday morning? Competing companies, that's I, the only problem. I know, I'm, I get it. Um, I mean, no, dude, also, that travel would be stupid crazy. I just hope <laughs> this makes me feel less bad about Lee Corso's obviously degrading health. Uh, on college game day, because that, like, I hate to bring it up, but that was that's been brutal to watch the first two weeks. That's honestly why I didn't put this in the notes, is because I didn't want this to evolve into a Lee Corso needs to retire conversation. But like, I'm not saying Lee, that. I'm just saying Lee I hope Corso that he needs to retire from that. Man, this is it's kind of brutal to watch him. You're exactly right. It's painful. I feel bad for the guy. So, yeah, if we could. Actually, if we could replace, um, what's his face, Desmond Howard, with of Pat course McAfee, you want to replace the Michigan player with Pat McAfee, and then replace Lee Corso with literally anyone else, it would be a much better show, and I might watch it this season. <laughs> and Bronco again. WWE said, "Try not to kill yourself." You can come back when the college football season is over. So maybe his days in WWE aren't over. But you know what is over? Texas is shot at the playoff after this week. Because I'm taking yeah. Alabama. It's not going to be fucking close. I already said it. I just need to get it up here because it's it's been taken at me for a little bit. I mean, it's a it's a huge game. It's worth talking about this week. And it's worth making picks on. But come on. Come on. 
<laughs> Next up, UTSA should have been ranked last week. Let's let's be real. They should have been in the preseason top twenty-five. And even after that loss, I would still argue they have made their case that they should still be in the, that they could be in the top twenty-five. Now, obviously, it's very hard to make that argument against teams that won, like Tennessee. Um, but UTSA has a very solid squad here. Props to Army for putting them on the schedule because it's not like it, it's not any secret. Uh, that UTSA has been building as a program and is a very good program at this current day and uh, current state and time. Uh, but man, uh, I the only thing that might cause them issues, I, I will say this, I don't know the last time they faced a triple option team, and that is very tough to prepare for if you don't face a triple option team often. Look back to when Navy joined the American Athletic Conference. They did very, very good. Now they had some generational talents as well, Keenan Reynolds uh, primarily there. But once everybody kind of figured out the triple option, even with Keenan Reynolds, it got a lot harder for them to move the ball and score on uh, conference opponents. I mean, gosh, I remember the last time Navy came into the horseshoe and played Ohio State. That game was freaky close for no reason, just because it was a triple option team and Ohio State hadn't played one in like a decade and a half. I was going to say the same thing. Basically, the same thing happened with the Air Force the last time they played Michigan. Um, Right, right. Close for about the first three quarters and then – then Michigan took the took the wheels off, and all of a sudden, game was over. But no, it's triple option because it's clock control. Because there's a lot of reads you have to make, and you need to play very disciplined defense. You're entirely right. It's really hard to to defend if you're not used to defending it. And last but not least, battle for Cyhawk. Uh, yeah, I, part of me wants to take Iowa. I'm not even going to lie to you. Part of me does want to take Iowa because there's no way that their their offense is going to be that bad again, right? There's no way. Here's the problem. And it's possible. <laughs> it's possible, and their offense was that bad against an FCS school. Now, South Dakota State's one of the best FCS schools in the country, but that was embarrassingly bad. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. <clears throat> Let's get the easy one out of the way. I'm taking Alabama. Uh, UTSA Army, there is a good chance that Army comes out harder in the first half and UTSA has to play a little bit of catch-up because that loss to Houston in overtime is insane. And uh, like I talked about with Pitt, Tennessee, I mean, that was an emotional game. And no matter which way that went, it might be hard to come out fast against Army. Also, the triple option. I'm taking UTSA, though. I think they have the talent to end up pulling this one out. Um, But both teams, I think, are really good. Army next week is going to be the best 0-2 team in the nation. (laughs) We always have to have something like that happen every single season. Um, Then the Cyhawk. I'm taking Iowa here. Uh, which is insane considering their points last week for two safeties and a field goal. Here's something to consider. As good as Matt Campbell has been, and everyone talks about how great of a job he's done at Iowa State, he has never won a Cyhawk in uh, Iowa and not not in Ames, in Des Moines. Um, so it's like... That's an interesting stat to me. He's 0-5 in Kinnick Stadium. Also, 
it's a rivalry game, which means throw away literally everything you know about the teams involved. Yeah. Um, and another thing to consider is that it's college football and chaos reigns supreme. And so if this is going to be another weird safety battle, I'm 100% taking Iowa to win that type of game. We do it all the time. So something to consider. We talked about how Iowa won in the most Iowa way possible last week. Why is that like a thing, and yet they continue to win this rivalry so often? Right? It's You can't have it both ways where, oh, wow, this offense is so bad, and yet it's good enough to beat Iowa State every year. Right? It's like, it's, it's really weird. This rivalry game changes all sorts of weird weirdness. Um, I'm, I'm just taking Iowa. It's, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that great of a game. I think it's going to be a very sloppy game, which is great for the Hawkeyes. All right, let's get the easy one out of the way, guys. You're taking Texas, right? No, I'm going Bama. <laughs> uh, the tide will keep rolling, and I think you're right, Ben. It's not going to be a good game. Um, Quinn Ewers gets to learn what the FBS actually is in meaningful snaps. Um, and he gets to learn what the number one team actually looks like uh, without playing behind C.J. Stroud. Uh, so this is going to be... Ah, uh, dude, I just—I don't even think Texas with their young offensive linemen can stand a chance. To be completely honest with you, a few more years when they enter the SEC, that offensive line should actually be pretty solid. But maybe not—not not this year. See, uh, UTSA Army. I'm also going UTSA. Uh, I didn't even think about the triple option uh, originally, but here's my thing: Army has been good for a few years now, um, and we talk about this every year with the service academies. It comes in waves. Um, while they are still a good team, they are starting to bleed off a lot of that talent through graduation. It, it's going to take time. Um, this is going to be, if I had to predict it out, uh, because you can almost peg one of the one of the service academies to have a good year. Um, this isn't bias. This is actual analysis. This is Navy's down year. They lost to Delaware. Do we need to go any further than that? This is Navy's the shit year. Army's going to be your middle of the road team. I think Air Force is going to be the best year service academies this year. Um, so, but I think that, we've all kind of agreed to that this year, too. So Yeah. But the thing there is, I agree with you, Doug. I think UTSA is in line to fight for that. Well, no, because they lost last week. But heading into the season, they were in line for that group of six bid to the New Year's Six. A uh, group of five bid to the New Year's Six. Uh, and they group are still back The doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> um, either way, all that to say, I'm going to UTSA. Uh, finally, in the Cyhawk Trophy, Doug, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Uh, but I already kind of said what I was thinking. Um, my big thing here is I absolutely believe Iowa State can find a touchdown in this game. At least somewhere on offense, they're going to find their way into the end zone. I just, I don't know what Iowa can bring. It's It wasn't even that they, you know, it's not just the week one blues. It's not just, oh, they played an FCS opponent. That offense looked out of sync at home the entire game, and that concerns me. I do think it's going to be sloppy. I do think Iowa could be good for another safety or two with that punter. Uh, he might be the Heisman if they keep playing the way they've been playing. Uh, but 
when it comes down to, I think Iowa State finds a touchdown somewhere in this game, and I think that's going to be the difference. Here's my another point that I basically just thought of, but I think it's true. I actually like South Dakota State's run defense better than I like Iowa State's run defense. So if Iowa can find some run game success, that's going to be a huge factor here. I because I and I was going to say that too is they lost to or they didn't lose they beat an FCS opponent but the defense they played I would equate to about the same level as Iowa State maybe even just a little bit better maybe um, yeah I just I don't know I, I I feel Iowa State on this one well I doubt I'm going to stay perfect on the season but it is possible and I would love that so that's what we're rooting for uh, but let's go ahead and talk about a couple of players to watch so we're not doing the same thing as we've done in the past uh, where we each take a player like we've done with the NFL now we're taking just some guys to keep an eye on um, and I'm going to really take this opportunity to talk about some draft prospects so I think that's going to be the best use of our time as a show it's going to be really cool as well. You get some different prospects, like mid to late round guys that you kind of want to keep an eye on. Uh, so I'll have one offense, one defense each week. Let's start with an offensive prospect to keep your eyes on. I'm going to talk about Jalen Cropper, wide receiver out of Fresno State. Cropper, as you can see on screen, has been building on his seasons every single year like you would expect. This is like a traditional college uh, career kind of template here. You know, you can just keep getting better every season. Here's the thing. He is kind of small. He's limited to a slot role for sure. Like he's going to, if he gets drafted, it's going to be as a slot type receiver. Um, the problem with that this week specifically is that they're playing Oregon State. And as the slot guy in Fresno State's offense, that usually means Cropper is going to be matched up with a linebacker. It's going to be some short type throws to him, get him the ball five or six yards off the line of scrimmage, see what he can do after the catch. Well, Oregon State has some incredible linebackers this year. Like, I think we talked about it last year, too. This was an up-and-coming group of linebackers at Oregon State. Well, we just saw what they did to Boise State last week. They demolished the Broncos, like, out of nowhere. I don't think any of us expected them to do that well. Like, this Beavers team is actually not that bad this year. It's pretty decent. Uh, if Jalen Cropper can dominate in this game or actually put up decent numbers, uh, it will probably take something different than what he's been able to do in the past, which would exponentially elevate his draft stock. If he can get past that second level of the defense, show some top-end speed, that would change the game here. But I do see him as a solid receiving target. I mean, Jake Hayner is an amazing quarterback. Fresno State has been a great offense for a while just with him alone. But then Jalen Cropper, if he can get some speed in his game, maybe some run-after-catch elusiveness ability, that would really elevate his draft stock. And this is a great game to watch if you're looking for those things to develop. Okay, nothing to add. I like it. Uh, let's go to, to the defensive side of the ball. One guy I'm definitely watching this week is the Marvion Overshone. He is a linebacker for the University of Texas. 
as you can see by these pictures, if you're watching this on either on Twitch or on YouTube later, um, he wears a lot of sweatbands on his arms. <laughs> That's the fun. last guy I saw wear this many sweatbands on his arms was Tank Carter out of TCU, and I fucking loved him. Well, you might like this guy too, but it would be for different reasons. So, DeMarvion Overshone played safety in high school a lot, but he's kind of big for safety. <clears throat> and Texas moved him down to linebacker. Here's the thing, though. He has never really developed his run support game. He is still a coverage checker, and that has affected his draft potential. It's also really going to show up in this game against Alabama because this is a down year as far as receiving targets, uh, receiving threats go. For an Alabama team, not saying they're bad, but for an Alabama team, this is not as good as the past couple of years. None of these receivers are winning a Heisman Trophy. No knock against them, personally. Uh, but also, it's a Bama offensive line with a running back that people like a lot. Jameer Gibbs has done everything right. He looks like a great running back for Alabama. If DeMarvion Overshone can help in the run game here, get some big tackles, get some big stops, I think this game could do a ton for his draft stock. He's not like a, I don't know if he's going to really stick at linebacker, right? He might get drafted and be put back at safety. Like he's not that massive. He's six foot two or so. Um, he clears 200 pounds, but he's not crazy heavy. He could play some kind of hybrid role. There are a lot of NFL teams that try to do that now. But Overshone has definitely needs to work on his run support game, and this would be a fantastic week to show that off. Very much looking forward to this matchup for him. Man, it's interesting that they dropped him down. Like you said, 6'2". It's not that big. He's strong for it, sure, but that's not a bad thing. I probably would have liked to see him move over to the strong safety position where you can kind of disguise whether you're playing linebacker or safety and then use it that way. Yeah, I think it was more of an issue of Texas not having any good linebackers. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a, he's been a great coverage. He's had a he's been a great coverage linebacker, which you need in the Big Twelve. To be fair. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. That's our last player, though. <laughs> yeah, and that's it for college, isn't it? Isn't it, it, is. isn't it that special time of day? Unless you had some non-NFL pro news. I don't think we do this week. I think it's just bracket time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You already knew. It's been a, been a very fun and interesting week watching these votes come in. Man, this is what I've been waiting for this entire bracket. We're finally down to matchups that people really don't know what to do with. We had three ties on Twitter this week, and the other one was Look, extremely close as well. I was about to say, let's be fair. I would, I know you won't let me, but I would not feel bad about going against Twitter. It was that close. Uh, I wouldn't feel bad about it either, except this is a matchup where I'm not going to allow it, like you said. So uh, maybe that <laughs> gave it away what it is. But let's, <laughs> let's talk about them in order anyway. First up here, we do have Kyle Field versus L.A. Coliseum. 
That is Texas A&M versus USC. Like we've already alluded to, this was a tie in our Twitter poll. So, hand it off to you guys first. Stadiums deserves to move on. <laughs> Don't all talk at once now. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm leaning Coliseum on this. Um, I think it's got a deeper history. Uh, I honestly like the look of it better. Part of it might be the fact that it looks like the concept drawing. Uh, but that's okay. I can still work with that. I mean, um, Texas A&M's one there looks like a concept drawing too, in a way. So they're no, both that's, artists that's rendering overhead shots. No, so so one looks like an art piece. The other looks like the concept drawing. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Fair. It, I mean, shit. I guess just describing it that way kind of puts it there for me too. Um, yeah. No, I'm I'm leaning the Coliseum on this one. I'm glad you're going the Coliseum because that makes it really easy for me to go. Kyle Field. I really didn't want it to be two and zero heading to Doug, <clears throat> uh, because the for one this matchup deserves to be talked about more. <clears throat> but for two, you know, Seattle's the twelfth man in the NFL, and that's awesome. They have designed their stadium in a way to increase the decibel count and give themselves that home field advantage. Kyle Field is the twelfth man because the fans and student section are that insane. Uh, when they sing. The Aggie wore him, and they're swaying back and forth. It sways the stadium. It is a sight to behold. Really, any Texas A&M sport, if you can see it live, they have some great traditions in football. They got some great traditions in baseball. Fans uh, at Texas A&M make the environment that much better. Unfortunately, the Coliseum is most known for games that it hosts and not necessarily USC games. So that does tip it a little bit more towards Kyle Field for me. I know we've moved on to the Rose Bowl. This is very hard for me to not just go with Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The more I think about it, though, I regret not fighting more against the Rose Bowl last week because the home fans are very depressing for the Rose Bowl. So yes, the fan atmosphere absolutely pushes Kyle Field over the top for me. Here's my thinking with this bracket, though. The home games don't make the stadium necessarily. Like, if if Texas A&M played their home games in my literal backyard, there would still be 1,200,000 people show up, and they would be just as loud. The stadium design and the history behind it and the atmosphere that it creates – is what we're looking for in this bracket, which to me screams the Coliseum more than Kyle Field. It's almost like we have two situations here, uh, and it it speaks to what we want this bracket to be about, right? The fans at Texas made Kyle Field what it is, but the Coliseum has made itself what it is in a in, right. It it's a mecca of college football in its own right. Whereas what you're talking about came about because of the crazy fandom that Texas A&M has. So they're both grass fields, which I appreciate. Uh, and I know Tug would have uh, protested one of them if they were not grass. Um, but let's talk about some of the traditions here. Because really, you've already mentioned the 12th man. 
which is great. Congrats on having the same gimmick that Seattle does. Uh, I had it first. I'm just saying. The LA Coliseum. The LA Coliseum is basically the front end of it is a it's a shrine to USC's Heisman Trophy winners, which there are a lot of. It's the stadium in itself is partially a museum of college football. That's so incredible. The the way USC comes out on the field. Uh, is a tradition in its own right. They have all sorts of traditions around that, but it kind of detracts from my point that it's not even necessarily about who's playing there. It's about the environment that the stadium itself creates. And I would say the Coliseum is more in line with what I would think this bracket's about than Kyle Field. Um, So another thing to think about with the 12th man are Texas A&M fans loud because of the stadium? Like, does the stadium itself help the acoustics? Or are they loud because they themselves are overpowering <laughs> everything around them? Uh, in in you know, Seattle's case, the stadium was designed for that purpose, basically, it seems like. <laughs> to amplify the crowd noise. Cal Field's just an open, it's a to bowl like everywhere else is. Um, so the fans at Texas A&M deserve a lot of respect here, more than the stadium itself, I would say. I'm going to move on to Coliseum. Well, that will move on to Coliseum. I'll, I'll allow it. And, and honestly... Good, you're avoided two to one. I'm glad you allow it. <laughs> honestly, I, I don't hate that move at all. This We talked about it last week when we had the Rose Bowl. Uh, that was just a tough draw for who they went against. And the Rose Bowl, of course, was going to win. Of course, LA Memorial Coliseum wins this week. For all the Texas A&M fans who may be listening, if you are, thank you, first of all, for listening. And second of all, it would have been a landslide if we were talking about fan bases. Oh, my gosh, there would have been no chance at all. This might have been a first-round matchup type deal, and Texas A&M would have blown them away. So don't think I'm saying anything bad about the fan base here. Just as far as pure college football arenas go. The Coliseum is a little bit of a leg up for me, personally. Next but, up. Yeah, next up. The your favorite place in the whole world, Neyland Stadium, University of Tennessee, up against uh, one of your actual favorite places in the world, University of Arkansas's Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Two SEC stadiums here, two very different styles for sure. This was, again, a tie on Twitter. And hand it off to you guys first. What do you think? Yeah, everybody knows where I'm going with this one. I do respect Neyland Stadium. 0.00 chance I'm voting for Neyland Stadium, especially when they're up against a worthy opponent in uh, Razorback Stadium here. Look, it isn't about the fans. I get it. But home games at Arkansas, calling the Hogs. That's special. That is college football right there. You don't get an environment like that in Tennessee. What you get is losing the third Saturday of every month. So if you're going to be sad, at least, you know, yell woo pig suey. They they really need to come up with a different rivalry game out in Tennessee, man. It's 
what can yeah. you expect? They live up in the mountains. Look, now that being said, at least they can count to at least four. You know, they can count to four. That's good for them. But we can't confirm is that, that. Is that teeth or toes? We can't confirm that. We can only confirm they can count to three. Which is about how many wins they get a year. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. So, I will tell you what I do like about Tennessee, and you can see it very clearly here. It's not like Penn State where they have to have a special game that's a whiteout. You know, it's not like any of these other teams that have tell their fans, hey, on this game, show up in this section with this. This is so ingrained into Tennessee's traditions at this football field that you know that if you're in a certain section, you are wearing white or orange. And you get that checkerboard across. They match it in the end zone. And honestly, I like the overall look from the outside of Neyland Stadium more. I love the Razorbacks. I, I love Arkansas. I hope they pull it off this year. I hope they keep keep winning. But in this this matchup, I'm going with Tennessee. What a shame. One-to-one yet again coming down to me. Uh, why y'all are doing this to me? I don't know, but I do appreciate it. You, so. <laughs> bro, you haven't had to vote the entire bracket or nearly the entire bracket. We're just catching you up. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Once again, Bug, I think your point is more resting with the fans than with the stadium itself. I love the Woo Pig. That's something unique to the stadium, and it's it's crazy, and it's awesome, uh, and, and I respect the hell out of it. That is not because of the stadium right and the checkerboard to your point tug you know that's something the fans do as well but it also exists without the fans like that is a thing that the stadium does uh the fans certainly accentuate it one thing that we don't have in the pictures here neilan is getting back those big giant letters up on the outside of the stadium which is uh, very traditional, and I love it. And it's going back to very old-school Neyland look. Uh, we don't have pictures for it. They're putting up those old letters around the outside of the stadium, which is going to be just awesome. I love that a lot. Um, Arkansas is so unique, though. I mean, that front end of the stadium looks like nothing else in college football. I hate eliminating one of these. I think what's going to do it for me is Neyland is grass, Arkansas is not grass. I'm going Neyland here. I'm eternally disappointed in you. Let's move on to our next matchup. What, just him or both of us? Him specifically. He had all the power. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have all the power in this one because Twitter actually gave us an answer here. Ohio State versus Clemson. This is Ohio Stadium. First, Clemson Memorial Stadium. How original can we get with these names? Come on. Uh, Twitter did go with the Ohio State University here very narrowly. Uh, good matchup. Like we previewed last week, two very different styles of stadiums, but two very powerful stadiums in this bracket. Uh, hand it off to you guys. What do you think? I'm going to go first. And, and part of it is I have been voting against Death Valley Clemson, the entire bracket. I hate how lopsided it is. It annoys the shit out of me. That being said, one thing I do like, and this is by stadium design, uh, 
what's that, Doug? The south end zone, the one that was originally open, they've closed off, mm-hmm. is the loudest section in that stadium. Uh, and if Ohio State is ever picking which direction they're defending, they're always defending the north end. So the opposing defense is down in the south end with the fans behind them for at least the first or third quarter or late in the game. Uh, it, it It's to a point where Ohio State actually – I think they actually game plan that into even their coin toss. Hey, what do you we actually want? have that? You have that exactly backwards. It's the loudest on the part that's closed in, so the north end. Okay. And they they do game plan it, but it's the other way around. Either way, that is by stadium design, not by fans. Other than the fact that I just don't like to look at Clemson, there's so many more reasons to go with Ohio State. Uh, and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep saving some of the keys for later because I don't know when we're going to need to bring in the better parts and the better traditions because uh, something tells me that's coming soon with future matchups. I'm just surprised that you took the turf field over the natural grass field. The, it does come down to more than that. I'm sorry. Like While Tug hates the asymmetry of Clemson Memorial Stadium, it's one of the things I absolutely love about the stadium. Uh, and then having the hill in the end zone, look, that hill is used for the most exciting 20 seconds of college football is what they call it every week when the team runs onto the field. There's a lot of great t- tradition at Clemson Memorial Stadium. I've already lost. Clemson's not going to be moving on here. Uh, so I don't need to belabor the point here. Death Valley, the first Death Valley we're seeing this week has officially been eliminated. And, uh... Doug, if you don't want to add anything else, we can go on to our next matchup, which features the second. I do just want to add, because this is the last, might be the last time I get to say this on the show. Whatever that 20 seconds of most exciting bullshit is, it's the most overrated crap in all of sports. I don't care about running down a hill and touching a damn rock. Get over yourselves. You ruined it when Dabo Sweeney existed on this planet. Oh my god. Clemson, (laughs) get out of here. (laughs) <laughs> but last matchup of the week, we do have the other Death Valley, LSU's Tiger Stadium, up against the University of Florida, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, a.k.a. the Swamp. Death and Valley not Ben Hill Griffey Stadium, like my phone corrected it to when I tweeted it out last week, or on nice. Monday. Nice. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> but this one was the third tie of the week. Uh, yeah, I mean... Pretty intense matchup. Our second all-SEC matchup of the day as well. What do you guys think? Um, I like the Death Valley we talked about previously. I like the Death Valley we're talking about right now as well. I think one of, outside of, you know, Death Valley nickname or anything like that, what it really comes down to is when you look at the playing surface itself, having the numbers every five yards. I don't know why, but it is beautiful that LSU does it. Having the tiger eye in the, at center field and then uh, the opposing colors in the in the different end zone. I say all of that, and as much as I like Tiger Stadium, I like the Swamp just a little bit better. Why is that? Pretty simple. I know I've mentioned it on this show before. When I see the Swamp, when I hear Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, my mind immediately goes back to the great days of NCAA football on Xbox, and that being the hardest place to play. 
Is it still? Yeah, it's up there. It definitely provides Florida a home field advantage. And that little bit extra is what puts it over the top. There is something just different enough about the construct of the stadium as well as compared to LSU, which is basically a double-decker bowl that didn't finish the second deck completely. That, it's just, it's not that I don't like the look of LSU, of Tiger Stadium, but it feels unfinished. Whereas the asymmetry of Clemson is very deliberate, this looks like they just ran out of money and didn't feel like filling in the second deck on one uh, on the south end zone, east end zone, whatever it is. For that reason, I've got to go with the Swamp Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Before I get into my pick, I just want to go out and throw it out there because we really haven't been interjecting too much. The Bills look very scary right now. Mm-hmm. Um. This is yeah, I finally to... noticed that it's 30 to 10. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you see Josh Allen's run for the for the touchdown? That was like a hard fought two yard rush and he reached over the end zone. Like that is I would be scared if That's I'm the AFC East. Shit, I am. Um <laughs> Man, this is a real tough one. Um my gut tells me to go with the swamp. I love the Gator Chomp. I don't know, and, and I think a lot of it is kind of what you were saying, too, where that is just, when I think of the toughest places, that, that was honestly one of the first stadiums I knew the nickname of, was the Swamp. It just sticks out. It's just unique. Um, I would love to say that about Death Valley, but there's two of them. Tigers playing both of them, and we've seen them both in this bracket. <laughs> I Yeah, I really don't have any very solid good reason, but I'm going with the Swamp on this one. And that's 2-0 for the Swamp. It would have been 3-0 if it came down to me, which it didn't anyway. Uh, But yeah, I would have voted the Swamp as well. It's just, it's awesome. Um, (laughs) I won't say too much else. We're hitting the Swamp versus the Shoe next week, so stay tuned for that because, dude, it's getting harder and harder. It's one of the greatest things about the bracket, one of the scariest things about the bracket at the same time. It's like there's going to be some matchups where it just might not go my way. And uh, it's very possible. Very possible. We're already down to eight stadiums in total. Stay tuned because we're going to show the matchups on Monday and send out those tweets with polls live on Monday uh, when we when we go live once again. So, that's all I got. I'm going to hand it over to Bug and Tug over there to wrap us up, shout out the links, all that good stuff, and I'm going to stop talking. Tug, go ahead, because I think we got a new link we want to draw people to. Oh, God. Ah, cool. Yeah, I'm going to link these all in the description below uh, when I release this on the audio, uh, but we do have our Patreon.com slash BETFootball, uh, Twitter.com slash BETFootball, Facebook.com slash BETFootball, Instagram.com slash BT underscore football. There's the tricky one. Uh, we do have our website, BTFootball.com, our email mailbox at BTFootball.com. But as Ben alluded, we do have a YouTube now. Uh, we have YouTube.com slash, and I believe it is BT Football. Uh, I would need to verify that myself. Do it right now. Yeah, let's do it. 
I do know that you subscribe to the channel, which is good. I did not subscribe to the channel yet, which I definitely will once you tell me what the link is. <laughs> the issue is I always surf it. Because, yeah. Because yeah, I know we agreed that we need a YouTube channel, and we did not agree on what the name should be, but it definitely should have been BDT Football if it's not. So that's live now and permanently in the record. Hopefully you were correct when you set it up, Tug. Hope you were. Hope you nailed that. It is. It's big dudes in the trenches. There is just an absolutely ridiculous link that we're not going to try and say. Yeah. Look at it in the description, <laughs> and we're going to work on getting that link. Um, Corrected. Yeah, we're going to see what we can do there, so we can have it scroll across the bottom here as we're live yeah. on Twitter and Facebook. So, so just search. Hand, I didn't see just... that it was a messed up one, and not just our standard. We said it. So. All right. So search Big Dudes in the Trenches on YouTube or click the link in the description. Why uh, why is Dark spelled with a K? What should it be spelled with? It's because you can't see in the dark. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is clearly all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching and for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches.